Welcome to Waiting For You, the podcast where we talk infertility, hope, loss and courage. I'm Janine, mum of one, a newborn and family photographer and lover of dark chocolate. Here we will share stories of families who have faced a different or difficult journey through conception, pregnancy or postpartum. I want to honour these stories and have them be heard and I want to bring it all, the tears, the hope, the despair and the joy. And welcome back. It's so nice to be back in your ears. This is the first episode of season four, and it's so wonderful to be bringing you these stories again. In today's episode, I chat with Kimura, who shares with us her experience of having a molar pregnancy when trying to conceive her second child. A molar pregnancy has to be removed via surgery and followed up closely with blood tests for quite a while as it can develop into cancer. As a result of this experience, Kimura experienced deep depression, which she describes as taking over her life. She shares with us the ways in which she worked hard to get well again. She is now pregnant again and expecting her baby very soon. Here's Kimura's story. Hey Kimura, it's so lovely to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hi Janine, thank you. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here too. Let's start by you sharing a little bit about you and your family. Do you want to tell me a few things about you guys? Yeah. Um, So my husband and I um, have been married for, gee, four years now. We've got one little girl who's turning three on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, I'm just, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have been since my daughter was born. Yeah, we live in Auckland. Yeah, nice. And another one on the way? Yes, I'm 37, or coming up 37 weeks, so I've got three weeks left to go before we have a baby boy. Oh, exciting. Oh, it's so lovely. And what do you love doing as a family? We really like, our our daughter really loves singing and really loves dancing, so we actually spend quite a lot of time at home. That's cool. And, you know, playing her music videos that she likes. And we just spend a lot of time dancing with her and, you know, playing around in the lounge. I'd love to say, oh, we love to go hiking or we love to (laughs) go to, you know, something like that. We're not like that. We just really like spending time together dancing around. Honestly, yeah, that's probably what we do the most. Yeah, I think that's gorgeous. You don't have to be hiking. You're doing your own thing. I watch, you know, I, I see other people and I'm like, oh man, they're out doing something. I think it's okay. We, we're having fun together. Yeah, I feel the same as you. Yeah, yeah. don't you worry. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about your experience. You can talk to me briefly about having your experience of your first child and then what happened when you tried to have a second child. Yeah, so I was pretty lucky with so after it was about six months after we got married, I got pregnant with my daughter. Um, yeah. It wasn't a really hard experience for me. Um, I was, I had been quite sick, and the doctors had sort of said to me, "Oh, you know, it might take a little bit of time for you to uh, to have a baby, or just um, I don't know. I didn't have a condition or anything. I was just sort of not very well." But then it was six months, you know, six months isn't a long time in the scheme of things. So we, yeah. we got pregnant with our girl um, and we had a really good pregnancy and she um, really great 
birth, you know, she came out really healthy and we recovered really well from that. And then a year after that, yeah, when she turned one, I got pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And we we hadn't we weren't really trying or not trying, it just you know, it just sort of happened. We um yeah. got pregnant again. And then it was only two weeks into the pregnancy that we found out I I'd had a molar pregnancy, which was, you know, like a, a mis you know, miscarriage. Can you give us a bit of a description or what the doctor would say a molar pregnancy is? Yeah, it was kind of um I hope I get this right because I, I get a bit muddled up sometimes, but Basically, I had never heard of it until it happened to me. So there's a complete molar pregnancy and a partial molar pregnancy. I had a complete molar pregnancy, which Mm -hmm. is basically, it's an empty egg that gets fertilized. An empty egg? Yeah. Wow. Um, So like (laughs) there is an egg, but it's just what grows, you know, you continue to progress with the pregnancy. So it's going to come up with a positive line on the pregnancy test. Yeah. Um, and for some women, it could the pregnancy could go on for quite a while, you know, until mm-hmm. they find out. But what's going to grow instead of, you know, a baby with arms and legs is just a clump of cells. It's just going oh, to I grow see. like a tumor, I guess. And it could be yeah. it's um, it can become cancerous. And I was really lucky that um, we found it really early on, um, and it didn't you know, have a lot of time to, to grow and it didn't become a cancer because for a lot of women, it, what they, what, what it is, is it becomes cancer, you know, and then you have to have chemo and everything. So, wow. yeah, I, I had never, ever heard of that. You know, I just thought, I, you know, I was well aware that, you know, before 12 weeks of pregnancy, you know, lots of women have a miscarriage and that's all I sort of knew, like you lose yeah. a baby, but I had yeah. no idea that there was you could grow something that was not ever going to be a baby. Could a molar pregnancy just end in a miscarriage? And uh, you never know about it? Yeah. Yeah, it could. So um, my my mother, I'm the oldest of um, my sister and I, and in between me and my sister, my mother had a miscarriage. And she mm-hmm. was told by her midwife at the time that it was a phantom pregnancy, which is what they... I think my mum said that no one had ever called it a molar pregnancy. It was just like, um, I don't know, the old school term for it. It was a yeah. phantom pregnancy. So right. she, you know, miscarried, but there was no, they couldn't find any signs of like a, you know, a little baby or a fetus yeah. or anything. Right. So yeah. um, my when, when I had the molar pregnancy, my mum and the doctor was describing it. She said, that's what, that's what happened to me. And um, uh. you could easily, you know, uh, I got sent to the hospital because I was already having quite a lot of pain before there was any bleeding or anything. Okay. So if you, you could just miscarry, you know, and not know that it was a... A molar. And, and, yeah, not have any idea if it was early on enough, you know. Yeah. So what did happen to you? Well, I How was... How did you um, know? Oh, I got really, really sick really fast. Um as in morning sickness. So I had okay. morning sickness with my daughter. But in my second pregnancy, I remember just, it was, it got, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was sick, really sick. And um, and then I started getting really bad pains in my back and my 
tummy and I went to the doctor and I was very lucky that the doctor who looked after me that day um, took me seriously. You know, I said, mm. I'm having really bad pains and I think something's wrong. And she said, well, you know, your heart rate's fine and you know, all this, you're, you're not, you're okay, but I think we'll send you to the hospital just in case because you just never know and I'm really really thankful that she did because when I got to the hospital and they did an ultrasound they what they said was you know that's a that's a molar pregnancy we can't um see a baby but we can see the you know the the formation of the cells or you know yeah yeah so I caught it before anything you know drastic had happened to me Mm mm-hmm did you catch it before um, anything cancerous happened? Yeah, I did. I had to have an operation to have it removed. I didn't, oh, like, right. okay. I didn't start bleeding or anything. I bled a tiny, tiny bit, but that yep. was while I, that was after I had found out. So I was in the hospital and I was waiting to have a surgery the next day, um, and then I started bleeding a little bit, and then they removed, um, you know, the the molar pregnancy and. Um, after that, the follow-up for it is really extensive. I had to have a blood test every week for, oh, I don't know, um, the first two months, I think, because they need to measure that your pregnancy, you know, the HCG level, your pregnancy yeah. hormone goes down mm-hmm. to make sure that there's nothing else growing in there. Wow. So, yeah. And are they doing ongoing kind of monitoring that um, there's no cancer kind of cells or are they checking that too um yeah that's what they're doing because if if the hcg levels don't come down you know that that means that there's something still growing in there i see yeah okay that makes sense yeah yeah and i that was probably the hardest part of it for me was that i had to go every week and then it becomes less and less you go sort of like every two weeks and then every month it was about six months i think of um testing and it was it was really hard because I just I just wanted to forget it you know oh you know this happened to me and I just want to go home and deal with it but then I had to every week you know go Mm -hmm. back to the blood test place Mm -hmm. and then think about you know purposely oh why am I here oh it's because you know this happened to me and Mm -hmm. it was that was probably the hardest part for me was that I had to keep and I'm really bad with blood tests. I, <laughs> I, um, I have I faint. Um, well, actually, it's only really when I'm pregnant because I get really low iron. But I, it uh, makes me really nervous now, and I get mm. all sweaty and blood tests, <laughs> and I hate. I absolutely hate it. Um, so it was like very. It wasn't like okay, I'll just quickly go on and get a blood test. I hated it, and it was just right. So um, it's a rigmarole. Yeah, it really, really sucked that whole thing. You know, that was really hard. And did you have ongoing worries about that cancer could have grown or spread or anything like that? Was um, that part of? Was there anxiety around that for you when you were getting tested? To be honest, not really. My husband was a lot more aware of that than I was. I was yeah. more grieving you know I was grieving really hard and my husband was saying you know and I'd come home and say oh my blood tests were fine or you know and he was like oh that's so great you know because he was really worried my wife might get cancer and we know we didn't have any scares or anything like that but I wasn't I didn't really I I just thought well if I get cancer I get cancer now you know right um yeah 
which I guess might be a bit insensitive to say, but I sort of thought, well, it doesn't really matter at this point. I already feel terrible. But my husband mm. was, he was a lot more worried about that than I was, I think. And then it was, yeah. we were so lucky that it didn't, that it didn't turn into any, anything else. That it didn't really yeah, I'm so glad anything. for you too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, tell me about the grieving that was happening for you because you told me um, in, um, when we were prepping for this that yeah. this really, really affected you. So do you want to talk about kind of the impact on your mental and emotional health after this after this molar pregnancy and the surgery and all the testing and all the things? Yeah. So I um, it was only recently that I figured out that I had only known that I was pregnant for two weeks so I could have been pregnant for you know six eight weeks something like that but I only knew that I was pregnant for two weeks Mm -hmm. but it took me uh, about a year to recover mentally from Mm -hmm. uh, actually probably since um, we got pregnant this time around with you know the baby that I've got now I really struggled to I was very lucky that I had a lot of support from my family I um I was able to all my family lived very close to me and I was able to have time away uh you know if I needed a break I could send my daughter to my in-laws or you know I was able to I had a lot of support around me which I was really grateful for but I I really struggled with letting myself feel sad about it Mm. Because medically, I could see, okay, this was never going to be, you know, medically speaking, this was never going to be a baby. That's great that it did it turn into cancer. And that's good, you know. And and, mm. for my, and it was very hard for me to, and that's um, that's sort of how my husband felt. He, he, you know, it was so different for me. And my experience with this compared to how my husband felt, he was really, you know, he, we were both grieving, but it was completely different. And I wanted to, I felt like I needed to feel the same way as him or I needed him to feel the same way as me. So I just, I just didn't know how to let me feel how I was actually feeling. Right. Um, and I remember the next day after I got out of the hospital, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try and make myself feel really good. And I went and got my nails done. And um, I just remember sitting in the nail salon and thinking, everybody else's day is just going on, you know? Yeah. And I, my world feels like it's stopped, yeah. you know? I was like, how am I supposed to keep going? And um, that's, that's grief, eh? That is such a common experience that people have of grief of that that feeling of everyone's carrying on and my world is actually falling apart yeah nobody yeah. knows nobody cares yeah well it's nobody knows eh because i i also found so i started going to um probably about six months five months after it happened i started going to see a counselor regularly you know like every, mm, great. every week and that was um I'm so glad I had the support of my family to do that as well um, because mm. that really brought me out. I was I was so depressed. You know, I just um, I just felt like I don't know. You know, I just got into a place where I just felt like I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know how to get out of this. And and it was it it was through therapy that I found that you know I really needed to talk about it and I really needed to. 
acknowledge that actually I do feel really sad about this and it's not stupid because it wasn't a real baby, you know. Mm. And um, no one said that to me. No one said, well, it wasn't a real baby. It doesn't matter. It was me saying that to myself. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a real baby. It's okay. You've got your daughter, you know, keep going. Yeah, it was yeah. Me. It was me stopping that. Yeah. Um, there may but, be some um, bigger societal kind of ideas that are floating yeah. around about stuff like that too, eh? Yeah. Definitely. But I found that um, I was at church one day and I found that once I – I just mentioned it in something, you know, oh, I, I had a miscarriage, um, you know, a couple of months ago and da-da-da. And so many women, yeah. so many women just individually, you know, just came up to me afterwards and said, oh, I had a miscarriage too between this child and this child and another one. I had an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, um, yeah. I had a stillborn baby, you know, all this. And I just was like, I've known you guys for so long and I had mm. no idea. Mm. And um, it was really helpful for me, um, you know, also that my mother had experienced that as well. You know, she she was, she knew, you know, she knew how I was feeling. That yeah. was really helpful. But I just, I was blown away by the amount of women or families who had experienced something similar to me that I realized it takes someone else to say, you know, it's not even yeah. a cup of tea to share their story about it. It doesn't yeah. matter if you do or you don't. But but I, when I had just mentioned it, there was just so many people that came up to me and said the same thing. And I thought, wow. But it's interesting that you feel alone. You, yeah. know, you think, oh, no one knows how I feel. But then someone else says something. I've had that too. And you're like, wow. You know, then you've kind of got someone to, I don't know, bounce it off or. Yeah. You know, and isn't it interesting that so many women you knew had experienced that but had never spoken of it? So, so it's like we keep it so silent often, hey? Yeah, I know. And, you know, I, I became really weary um, this this pregnancy of, you know, making a pregnancy announcement. Mm-hmm. Or not so much for me, but I felt, man, now I really understand because um, after, you know, I had the molar pregnancy and I just felt like every post was someone else was having a baby and yeah. someone was, you know, and I just thought, oh, this is so unfair. And then I became really weary of that about what what I, uh, not what I share, but how I say it, you know, because I yeah. realized actually there are people, you know, who are really suffering or really trying to get pregnant or, you know, something. And you just, um, I became a lot more aware of the way I talk about fertility at that point. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because I'm sort of in that infertility world. um, And that's a big deal about people, how they approach that. Yeah, makes you really aware, eh? I think it's also what I've learned this time around is that I think it's important not to say, not to not share it, you know, not mm. like, you know, on Facebook, I mean, actually just, you know, share yeah, it out with, loud yeah. with people. Um, because where I didn't want my friends or whatever to say, to not share it with me because, oh, Kamora's had a miscarriage and mm. blah, blah, blah. It's okay. Mm. I just think it's um, just the way I've, I've, the way I view sharing it now has changed. Yeah. Instead of just, Yay, we're having a baby, you know. Mm. Um, 
I'm just a bit more aware of how other people are feeling. Not that you shouldn't share it, you know, but do you know what I mean? Because, yeah, it's a tricky one because you're allowed to celebrate and you yeah, should. It's you amazing. Are. It's your yeah. family. But then there's that side that um, you can be very aware of other people and their struggles. So, yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky space yeah. to be in sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like you said before, you're pregnant again now. Mm. Um, nearly ready to have this baby, right? Yes, September Yeah. How has this uh, pregnancy been for you? Um, did you have any anxieties about being pregnant after your last experience and your loss? At the start, I was, I was very anxious. Um, yeah. Because I want, I wanted to know: is this a baby? You know, is this? I didn't want to get excited because, uh, because I am pregnant. You know, I could see on the test, yes, that's pregnant, but. Yeah. But I know that maybe, you know, it says it's pregnant, but maybe it's not a baby. And which I had never, that never crossed my mind the first time. Mm. Oh, I'm pregnant, but maybe it's not a baby. Who even says that, you know? I'm pregnant, (laughs) but maybe it's not a baby. Or I wonder if this will be a baby or what, you know, we don't know. So um, I was was made aware that uh, if I, so you have to wait at least six months between like when you have your molar pregnancy you you have to wait I think it's six months maybe it's a year uh, six months before you can have another baby so uh, and in the meantime they're doing all that testing and stuff yeah 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 yes so you have to wait that time and I had been waiting and thinking uh you know should we have a baby now or uh, should we wait still or who knows what's going to happen so we yeah. got pregnant and then it happened um they told me that you need to um, see your doctor as soon as possible, you know, if you find out that you're pregnant. Um, the, the risk goes up for you to have another molar pregnancy, but it's not like it becomes hereditary or you're going to have a, a high-risk pregnancy the next time around. There's nothing like that. It's just, you know, you, you could have another one. So right. I started having pains again, and I thought, oh, my gosh. And my we went to the hospital, and they did an ultrasound. And as soon as we could see that it it was a baby, you know, it was it was I was only about six weeks at that stage, so it was just yeah. tiny, tiny. But we could see it, and that was at that point. I just I really just relaxed because oh, I amazing. it was only early on, but I um, I thought, oh, this this is an actual baby. I can see it right there. This is a real baby. And this is something that I can, um, I can get excited about. And Mm. even, um, which is interesting because in my first pregnancy, I was, I didn't want to get too excited in case, you know, before 12 weeks, which is, you know, the danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. But this time it was six weeks and I thought, Oh, I can get excited. And then I thought, because if something happens, you know, say something bad happens and I miscarry again or, or something, I know it was a real baby, you know, mm, right, which is right. interesting because mm. all of my feelings, oh, I had to validate in therapy that actually it doesn't matter if it was a real baby, you know, mm. like it doesn't matter if it, that I was feeling how I was feeling because I, I, I was pregnant and that was my baby. And this time around, um, I was just glad to see that it was uh, that it was a baby, and that I knew from that point on, if even if something bad happened, I'd be okay. You know, I knew I could right. see the baby, and 
it was okay. Yeah. Um, it was it was really hard for me. I wanted to make sure that I had bought something for okay. the baby. Yeah. Because the first time round, the first time round, oh, you know, with my molar pregnancy, yeah, I didn't buy anything or I didn't have anything as sort of like a, a momentum or I know what you, you mean know, yeah I yeah and I wanted to make sure I was very very anxious to buy something so I went out with my mum and I was still scared that maybe maybe you know something might happen but I I went out and I bought a little outfit you know I bought a little yeah onesie and little yeah. hat and stuff and then um and then I felt like okay this baby's got something you know this is for this baby and you know so I was definitely in sort of I need to prepare in case something happens um so for grief yeah you know so that that's right you were lose the baby I've got something that I can hold hold and, exactly yeah um, and you knew you needed that because you wished you'd had it the time before yeah I did yeah and even though it was such a short pregnancy the sick you know the molar pregnancy um you know it was only two weeks you're not going to go out and rush out to the shop mm. to in your pregnancy mm. especially when you've got another child yeah you know the first time round, you're like oh then you just go out <laughs> and buy everything and you're all excited <laughs> the second time round, you're like okay well I've got lots of old clothes, you know, the, the next baby can wear. You don't even think about it. And this yeah. time I thought, no, I need to go out, get something so that I've got something in case it happens. And then that sort of after 12 weeks, you know, and we could see the little baby, his arms and legs and healthy as, then I just, I was able to let go. And I'd been keeping a, um, a journal of, um, it was a, it was a like, specific miscarriage journal. And oh, I'd wow. been keeping a journal um, yeah, I bought it from this company in, in America who make journals for, um, um, you know, baby journals, and they also made a miscarriage one. And I had been keeping a journal, and I was that was a really significant moment for me when I could, I wrote the last entry in that journal, and I said, you know, now I'm ready to open a new baby journal. You know, wow. and I closed yeah. the journal and I, I put it away because I'd been writing in it, you know, for almost a year because I was, you know, expressing my feelings. And that was a really, really significant moment for me that I didn't need to. Um, I could close the journal now and then I could start writing about this baby. You know, mm. it was mm. and I haven't I haven't needed to go back and rewrite in it because, you know, I've got a new focus now. And that was a massive, massive moment for me in my journey for healing and I think I actually spoke to a woman on um when I was really you know one of my really um low points and I called what did I call um what's well, not youth line that's for youth I called a like a you know a helpline and um, yeah. that my therapist had given me and I I talked to this woman and she happened to have been a midwife for 25 years oh wow she was, yeah and I told her, and I said, you know, I just, I just feel so upset, so sad. And she said to me that what you'll feel to to a certain degree upset and, and grieving, and then you'll have another baby, and that, that will change. Right. Um, 
and I, I, I thought, oh, that's, that's kind of unfair, you know, you just forget about this baby. But now mm. I know what she means because mm. um, my focus, you don't, you know, you don't stop feeling, you know, you don't think, oh, great. Well, that's over now. That's awesome. Yeah. But you, um, your focus changes. And I, yeah. and that was a massive point. That was when I closed the journal and I knew that I had this baby coming and I knew what she meant, you know. Mm, right. You sound like um, you've done some really beautiful and helpful things to help you through that time. You talked about a therapist, the helpline, the journal. They sound like really beautiful and helpful steps in your in your path along the way. Yeah, I'm really lucky that um, um, I feel for people, you know, because I, I had to pay to go and see it, you know. That's right, and it's expensive, and right? It's really expensive, and it's not <laughs> yeah. their fault or anything, you know, but I just, I feel, um, actually, I remember one, another massive point in my healing was that, so I was working, uh, no, I, was, I wasn't working, it was just me and my girl at home, and I really wanted to, I really wanted to see a counsellor. I thought I knew I knew I needed to do it. So I asked my mum, I said, look, mum, I can't do this. I, I am too scared to call a counsellor. Can you call him? Can you just find me a counsellor, please? And she, right. she booked it. She said, okay, you're going in next Thursday, and, you know, this is how much it's going to cost. And I remember thinking, okay, we don't have that money right now to just, you know, it's expensive. So yeah. I, I went and there was at my local toy library we were members at the toy library with my daughter you know to go and pick out toys and they had an opening they said oh you know we're looking for someone to come and work in the library like six hours a week and you'll make you know this much money and it was the exact amount of money that I needed Uh, to to um, pay for the counsellor so I went in there and it, you know it's really oh. casual it's just a little toy library yeah, and yeah, they yeah. gave me a job there and I um, I started working there while my daughter was going to kindy and yeah. that was so motivating for me I felt like I was doing something for myself to working towards my health yeah. you know I would go yeah. in and be like um I'm, you know, I felt like, okay, I've got to go in so that, you know, then I can go and see my therapist. And then it, that was a, that was another massive point for me. That was when I was really, really low and I chose to, um, go and get it, you know, a little job and then so that I could pay for the counselor and it all worked out, you know, it, it just lined up so perfectly. And that was, I felt like that was a really active step yeah. for me to, to go and do that because I knew I yeah. needed to. You know, yeah, it's really powerful, hey. It was the first time that I had worked since my daughter was born. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. another job. So yep. that was also another thing. You know, I was like, Wow, I'm working. Yeah. You know, that's like, quite a big step, hey, can yeah. be. Yeah. Just for any mum, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was like, Wow, this is I feel like um I met I met a, you know, a job but I'm yeah. out of my house and Yeah. You know, yeah. It was good. Amazing. It was really um, quite inspiring listening to you. It sounds like you did, the things you chose to do were very, you know, really carefully thought about what was going to help you and you found ways to make it happen. It's really great. 
I am really, uh, really lucky and really grateful for the support of my family. You know, that takes, it wasn't me just sitting there deciding, oh, you know, I'm going to get a job. You know, I have a lot of support and a lot of people don't have that, which I'm just just really grateful for. Yeah. And you, and you know, we all need that and we all deserve that. So wouldn't it be amazing if everyone had that? Yeah. 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 What did you learn about yourself? through your experience it's interesting now that I can look back on that that you know that was only this time last year that I was yeah you know still in a really bad place mm-hmm. well then I was I was I was getting better what's it now August yeah I'd started I'm um, going to counseling and I was working at the toy library and I had you know I was working towards getting better it's interesting now that I can look back because I remember my mum saying to me, this, where you are right now is going to feel like you are going to stay this way forever. Mm-hmm. Not even just having a miscarriage, just being depressed, you know. Yeah. It's going yeah, to yeah. feel like every day is going to feel like this. But you have, but then at some point you'll, you'll realise, actually, you know, in a couple of months you'll be able to look back and say, Wow, I'm a lot different than I was mm, two mm. months ago. Even if it's just something small. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. And, and it's what I learned about myself through that is that um, I, well, I was going to sound really cheesy, but I I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. You know, yeah. Inside, one thing that was really hard for me during that period is because. I'm a member of the LDS Church, so the Church okay. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I have yep. been a member my whole life. And yep. I felt really, um, and I've always felt a very strong connection to God, mm. and I felt really abandoned at that point. Okay. You know, after I had a miscarriage, I felt, I, I had never felt like that. I felt like I've been forgotten. And what I learned about myself um, now that I look back is that I worked really hard to remember myself if that makes sense that yeah, um yeah I worked really hard to with the support especially with the support of my husband too gosh he was so good that um that I wasn't alone and that I could do things to make myself feel good you know mm-hmm. um I could get a job and I could work really hard and that I was a lot stronger than I thought yeah because at that point it was like I'm I'm abandoned and I'm how, you know, how, how are you going to even get up tomorrow morning? And then all of a sudden you've made it through another week and then it's a month and then, you know, and it's, Mm. it's like, I, I did that. I chose to do that. You did. And that strength is so important for you to get better. And it's also so important for you to be able to be the mum to your kids that you want to be. Um, I feel like I'm a much better mum now. Right. Than, well, not a better mum, you know. Uh, I feel like I'm a much happier mum now, right. even before the miscarriage. Yeah. I feel like I'm a happier mother to my girl now after having gone through that. Mm, that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but I, maybe well, some kind of perspective. <laughs> I think so, and um, I have worked, done things that make you know make myself happy, 
And yeah. I, don't, I, I, I probably wasn't even doing that before. That's right. Yeah, it's that old thing of put the, you know, that, that airplane thing of put the face mask on you before you put it on your child. others um, because you can't help them unless if you're, you know, if you're, if you're struggling. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm finding this really inspiring listening to um, how you helped yourself. That's really powerful. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it doesn't feel inspiring for me, but <laughs> and I think you'll find, you know, if you the only person that can get you out of these situations with support of family, of course, around you is is you, and um, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, it is. It's really hard when you feel awful to make steps forward. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, and you did it. It's amazing. If someone listening find has found themselves in a position either of of any of your experience, like the molar pregnancy, miscarriage, or this de- depression, what what's some advice you would give to any of that? My advice would be to seek out someone that can help you in some way. That's the first thing, or mm-hmm. seek out someone that you feel you can talk to. Even if it's like on a helpline or, yep. you know, a- anyone, anyone, seek out someone that you can open up to so that you've got another person there who can give you give you some guidance because I just cherish that support that I got from my family and, and from my husband who was so supportive of me going to counselling and... Mm. I, because at first I just tried to deal with it on my own, yeah. And um, maybe for some people, you know, it's it's different for everyone. But I would suggest seeking out someone that you can just confide in or bounce advice off of, or yeah. just you know cry to about it because mm. that's really important. And um, absolutely, yeah. That's that's probably my my advice because I couldn't. I I really needed those initial steps of help from those around me yeah and a lot of people don't have that so and you know that um that depression ad that John Kerwin was on you know oh, like yes. years ago and yes. he says if you tell someone that you're depressed or, you know, or grieving or whatever it is and they don't get it go and tell someone else right and I and I think that is so important because you yes. know I had I had some doctors or you know people that that didn't get how I was feeling so mm. I had to go and find another doctor or you know another person to talk to until you find someone who really gets it and that's also really hard as a person who you know is not feeling good in themselves to keep to keep going to keep yeah, pushing to keep yeah. opening up or to keep finding yeah. someone yeah yeah that was a massive um that that that's something that I would suggest and also to um to Find someone else who's been through mm-hmm. been through a miscarriage or or been been there, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Who really has walked that path. It might be slightly different, but who really has walked that path. Yeah. yeah. And you'll just find that there'll be just so many. I just couldn't believe it how many yeah. how many women I knew that that had happened to and I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, my last question for you, lovely, is 
Um, what does it mean to be mama to your daughter, Pehana, and this new baby who's arriving very soon? Oh, this time, now that I've got, now that I'm having my second baby, my perspective on being there, on being a mum has really changed, you know, since I've had the molar pregnancy. Mm. I, it really means to me, I feel a, a huge, um, I feel so much more grateful, you know, right. for, for every step that, that mm. mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm watching my, my, my big girl, you know, she's turning three. That's really big for me, but, um, <laughs> you know, watching her and, and we've just moved house and she's going to, you know, we had to take her to a new kindy and she mm. just watching a new step for her. I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful that I get to watch that. And, um, and have that experience, you know, a new experience with her. And every time I go for a new scan, you know, and I see that the baby in my puku's grown, it's like, I'm so grateful that that's happening. Yeah. And it's, and that I'm, um, a much happier, I, I feel so much happier as a mother and, and just a happier person. And, um, uh, one thing that I've learned or, you know, that means to me about being their mum is that, um, when I'm happier, when I'm happy, then my kids are happy, you know. Yeah. My right. daughter will never, she'll never remember any of that, you know, but she was there every day, you know. She was she was in our bed every night, you know. My daughter's a terrible sleeper. I hope she hears this <laughs> podcast in 20 years and she she's a terrible <laughs> sleeper and she sleeps with us every night and yep. um, she was there, you know. You know, I'd be crying in the bed and there she's sitting there watching a movie or whatever and she'll have, yeah. she's got no idea, but... um but I'm a much happier mum now yeah. and um, and I'm really grateful this has happened to me so that I can feel happier when the next baby comes, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think, and the mum, the mum, it doesn't matter what people say, the mum is the centre of the, you know, the mum is the heart of the home, you know? Mm. And when, not to say that when, da- when stink things happen to dad, it doesn't affect the family, it does. You know, mum makes things tick in the house and, and tick in, in the tick over in life in your family. And when mum's down, it's the the whole family's down. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I've seen that with my mum. And, and now that I've experienced that as a mum, I think, man, it's really important to put me to do things for me so that mm. I'm happy and my kids and my husband we're all happy together. You know. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you um, for answering those questions and for sharing your story. I um, have loved listening and I, I'm so happy that you are well and you are happy and that you're going to have your next baby in your arms very soon. But that other, that other little one, which I think of as a baby too, is not going to be forgotten because part of your family. Yeah, thanks, um, Janine. No, I appreciate that. Also, I just want to say that I think it's really beautiful that you share your experience as being a photographer, you know, for um, um, bereaved families yeah. and um, that you've got this podcast and just a space to talk about it because especially from a, um, a Kiwi perspective too because I know, mm. you know, um, a lot of people 
I just found that there weren't many, a lot of Kiwi perspectives around. I just yes. think what you're doing here is just, it's just a beautiful thing for the, the, the parents who can open up and for other people listening because you just don't get the opportunity to share it otherwise. That's right. And that, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And that is, that was my very reason for doing this. Um, I kind of found my voice after many years since my mm. fertility journey and I just wanted to help others. And I felt like, like you say, this helps the people sharing their journey, but it also mm. helps people listening. And um, both of those are quite powerful. So um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for seeing that. It's, um, I love doing this. It's amazing. Oh, it's awesome. Thanks, Janine. It's just you're welcome. It's great what you're doing. Yeah. Let me know when that baby arrives, eh? Oh, yeah, thanks. I'm hoping everyone keeps saying, oh, you might have a baby next week. No, I'm not <laughs> holding out any hope. You know, yeah. it'll be another two weeks or, yeah. you know, three weeks. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> On their time, right? Yeah. I've stopped counting now. I just think, ugh. It's okay. He'll come yeah. when he comes. Good call. Good call. Okay, honey, um, we'll say goodbye now and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Janine. Thank you so much, Kimura, for sharing your story and shining awareness of molar pregnancy and mental health. I can't wait to hear the news of your baby. As always, I hope this podcast brings you hope, healing and hugs. Mm-hmm.